Okay, welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. And today we have an absolute legend of a guest. It is yeah. Riley Bennett, the digital nomad <laughs> on the island of Phuket. Um, today we're going to be talking about Riley, of why he escaped the rat race, how he got to being a digital nomad without being an English teacher. So it's primarily this podcast will be focused uh, for anyone that's looking to understand a little bit about Amazon FBA, getting into freelance, but let's follow the trend is your friend, um, remote closing. Uh, this is a brand new industry. I'm sure it's been around for a while, but it's really exploding now. So all you English teachers out there that are yep. sick and tired of babysitting, listen to this podcast. <laughs> it's going to hit home. Babysitting. Yep. I like that. Yeah. You're, if you're teaching English. I mean, some people do it, you know, the, just the virtual way. But, uh, man, I met so many English teachers, and shout out Colton right now. I'm helping him basically transition from being um, a remote English teacher, you know, teaching Chinese kids, you know, on these little apps um, for whatever, you know, 20 bucks an hour or whatever, to basically uh, having a remote sales uh, position for a company uh, in the U.S. or in Canada who need uh, sales staff, and more and more companies are allowing their sales staff to be remote. So it's just... More and more friends are, are doing, making way, way, way more money than they were teaching English online. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I was watching your re one of your recent YouTube videos today, and it kind of broke down the actual economics of what you could make. And just as a simple, let's say, uh, beginner closer uh, on remote closing, you could be making like three thousand US dollars a month, which is pretty much pushing a hundred thousand baht. Meanwhile, um, a lot of people teaching English online, like maybe they're making two thousand baht a day, so it's yeah. less than half of that. Yeah. Um, now, before we jump into what is remote clothes closing, don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that bell, and leave some comments. Let us know what you think. Um, let's start at the beginning. Who is Riley Bennett? Where are you from? What's your story? Yeah. Uh, America, went to college, corporate job, and um, long story short, came to a uh, digital marketing conference in Chiang Mai, Thailand, a year after graduating and realizing I don't want to be uh, working for a pharmaceutical company, uh, you know, in a lab being a, a, a slave, uh, making pharmaceuticals, biochemistry major, and... Um, you know, a shout out to a Nomad Summit and Johnny FD on YouTube, found his YouTube channel and uh, came to the Nomad Summit 2014. Um, it's all about digital marketing, drop shipping, e-commerce, Amazon FBA, affiliate. Um, and so, boom, found out about Amazon FBA, started doing that. The rest is history. Been based out here ever since. Uh, so almost eight years now. Was your first step into Thailand? Like, so you're in the U.S. at this point. You've come to yep. Chiang Mai. Did you go back home or what did you get into first? Uh, first thing was Amazon FBA. Oh, actually, first it was high ticket drop shipping for about six months. Uh, started back home. And then the, uh, the, um, they actually had a conference. It was uh, the Dropship Lifestyle Conference for the course that me and my best friend Parker got. Um, and it happened to be in Thailand. And we had been... In Thailand the year before, because Parker did a semester abroad in Thailand. Mm -hmm. And I came out to visit him with Danny, who actually lives out here now. And so it was Parker's semester abroad in college that uh, that allowed us to discover Thailand. Uh, and then we went back home, and he was like, dude, two months was, like, way too short, that two-month program. I was like, dude, two weeks was just a tease. First time really outside of America. And he's like, uh, do you want to, like look into like work abroad program for a year. I was like, fuck yeah. And so we started looking on YouTube, working in Thailand, living in Thailand, found Johnny FD's video, sitting in Chiang Mai, doing Shopify, drop shipping. We're like, what the fuck is that? He's like digital nomad life in Chiang Mai, like giving a tour of the co-working space. And we were like, all right, fuck teaching English. Let's do that. And so we signed up for his drop shipping course. He announced a conference in Chiang Mai. It's going down. We're like, oh heck yeah, let's go to that. We went to that, um, pivoted into FBA and, um, yeah, rest is history. Now, when you were first getting into FBA, were you teaching and selling programs? Were you Did you find a product you were selling a product? Um, oh, no, it's product. Yeah, we started with a the product. There was just like this flip belt, running belt thing. You know, it's private label, you know, so let's stuff. call let's go back to like step one. And usually it's people go down the helium 10 route and, you know, find a product and you do yep. all your. Th 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 so 
I'll, I'll explain this quick to the viewers. Like, we won't get too granular. There's so much content out there that's, you know, going to be your step-by-step step, step step guide, which basically they're like Twitch videos, and you need that. Like, we can't explain that on the podcast. But the first step, you're getting, you know, through Helium 10, you're looking for a product. Can you kind of recall that day of, you know, that initial, I got to find a product. What were those steps? And, you know, re yeah. uh, recall that memory. Yeah, so... I eventually, because I'm a video person, I eventually made my own private label course. There's a million of them. Yeah. But the model is you're basically, so private label, you're taking something that's already being made, you slap your branding on it, and you sell it on Amazon. In the earlier days in Amazon, um, if you you know sold kind of any random thing, you could, Amazon has so much traffic, you can get like a little bit of sales and make, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, thousand dollars a month. Um, and so there's these online tools where you can kind of scrape the data on Amazon and see how much is selling, see how much competition is and kind of come up. Oh, if I sell this little selfie stick thing or this little, uh, spatula, uh, bamboo spatula, uh, then, Ooh, there's, there's lots of traffic. I can put it on Amazon and get some sales. So that's basically the, the idea. Now that's gotta be pre 2017 and kind of yeah. post 2016, 17, you got super competitive. Yep. Everyone started to go Amazon FBA. Yep. Um, were you able to be competitive with your first product coming out the door? Uh, yeah. So as in any business, any industry, um, you have to have a unique selling position to stay in the market, <laughs> right? Yeah. Every business starts with a good idea. And so if you had a same, same product, nothing unique about it, it's going to fizzle out. Um, and then nowadays you, you won't even be able to get traction with it. And so our best products, guess what? They were the most unique. And um, the first one that really took off was a selfie stick tripod. And it actually came from a personal need because uh, I've always been a, a video guy. I wanted a, uh, a, a selfie stick that could stand up on the table so I could film videos at home. And uh, I was like looking on um, AliExpress, couldn't find one if you type in selfie stick uh, tripod. I found it on page 50. I found one on page 50 of AliExpress. And launched that as the first prototype. So we were one of the first selfie stick tripods on Amazon.com. If you type selfie stick on Amazon.com, now they're all selfie stick tripods. You yeah. can't even find a selfie stick without a tripod on the bottom anymore. Yeah. And so like in any market, any industry, timing is everything. And so we were one of the first. We came up with like a really heavy duty uh, selfie stick tripod. And that was a, that was a blessing that that did really well. Um, and then kind of our next hitter was, uh, this right here, a sticky wallet. And I just, just, and gave he, he brought you one, Hans. So yep, got we're, we're going to be rocking the sticky wallet, uh, at Bangtown Muay Thai. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, this is stick on phone wallets. And, uh, again, timing is everything. Um, it's so, you know, but, but we actually made ours unique. So we, ours, this is actually the ring version, but not the version I gave you guys. But yeah. uh, anyways, we, I had the idea to put a kind of a finger grip elastic strap on it. Also put a metal plate on the outside so you could mount it to a magnet in your car. And so as in any business, any industry, you got to come up with a way to make your product service business unique. And so the ones that actually made the money were the ones that uh, I had a good idea for. So when, when did you launch that on Amazon? This is a sticky wallet. It's going on like probably five years. Five years now. Yeah. And... Competition usually the Chinese will enter, and what they try oh, to do is well, they make it so they can drive the price down. Oh yeah, are you dealing with that? Or are you still comfortable? Oh man, we have so many uh, Chinese rip you off, and this will happen to virtually every product. You're it's it's not normal if you don't get absolutely copied, including your image, your your all of your images, even uh, photos of me on other person person's listings. Yeah, uh, and they're just Chinese copycats, and they have a whole system like. Take this on Amazon and, and copy this. Okay, I will do. <laughs> they just, oh, they're just, just, they're they just looking at the data. Like yeah. if they find there's a keyword for uh, wallet or whatever the keyword yeah. specifically is, they will see the traffic and they will and they're saying that's selling well. Perfect, we can copy yeah. it and drive it down. And so the reason that we are able to stay, we're still like number three on Amazon for in the uh, adhesive cell phone wallet category, but actually number one because the first two are not adhesive cell phone wallets. Anyway. It's been a it's still a bestseller because um, strong branding um, and it's actually physically <coughs> unique f uh, per the features that I just said. And we were able to get um, 
uh, a first mover's advantage. If you can be the first one to hit a thousand reviews with four stars or above, it's a snowball effect upwards. Yeah. And so we were able to get there first. So what's after that first step, you find the product you want to sell, you make that decision. Step two, you got to get in touch with the factories. And a lot of people don't realize that actually the people you find on Alibaba are most likely a wholesaler. They are not the factory. Mm. Um, what steps did you could you re explain um, that you would take next on now I've, I know the product I want, but I need to get it from China into Amazon? Without I mean, the great, don't you don't have to get yeah. in terms of logistics. I mean, I recommend anymore. people hire a sourcing agent for that. And okay. so there's, I am I wouldn't say I'm the, I'm the sourcing expert, and I I've tried to you know do it myself and send a million uh, Alibaba messages, and now I just have a sourcing agent tell them my concept and they handle that. Okay, so then they take their margin. Uh, it just yeah, saves the headache. Margin, yeah. I mean. Luckily, I speak enough Chinese. I've been down those roads. I know how to deal with those people. I can sniff out who are the wholesalers and who are the factories. Yep. Yeah, that's good. But it's a nightmare. Um, so you get the product. You get it into Amazon. Now, people do need to understand, and we'll get into the remote closing later and why that's actually more beneficial because there's no overhead. Yeah. But you need to put an investment down because you need to make an initial order. How yep. much was that investment if you're allowed to disclose? And yeah. what were you? Were, was, was it a big risk? Were you comfortable or you were just ready to go? Oh, uh, so in the Amazon FBA world, like it's a relatively very low investment um, for a test order. And that's the appealing thing about Amazon compared to like any you know physical you know, office, uh, physical brick and mortar is with Alibaba slash AliExpress. You can have an initial test order of 500 units, sometimes 100, 1000. So that's relatively low money, a few thousand bucks. It depends what the product cost is. A few thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars, whatever. That's that's a fraction compared to most startups. And so that's one of the very appealing things. And then so let's say you do like a ten thousand dollar inventory order or five thousand. If you get traction and you can get up to a hundred reviews quick, then you can be profiting five thousand a month and you know, within six months to a year. And in, in typical um, you know, investments or um, you know, physical businesses where you have to build a, a coffee shop or whatever, like 10xing your money like within you know, a couple years is like crazy uh, in the cash flow. Uh, so it's basically like um, it's like digital real estate uh, on Amazon. And if so, you're holding those positions on, yeah. on the page. And so the, but to, so <coughs> you were talking about specifically the sticky well, right? So initial inventory order, probably like, I don't know, like 5,000 or something like. And so, when they're that so like shipping low. wise, it's not, you're not filling a container. Yeah. Like and that's, what's so nice about <laughs> this thing is so small compared to our big old selfie stick box was like, yeah. And it's ta so. taking up so much space. Yeah. Um, are there any like major tips for new beginners getting in that you, and I'm assuming you have like, you, you share this information more maybe as a paid course or something along the lines yeah, that when, course, when, when people ask like, you know, th this is your, your top 10, I don't want to say, let's just say like top one or two do's and don'ts and even red flags to kind of watch out for when you're getting into this Amazon FBA. Yeah. yeah. I still get asked a lot about it. Um, and so the key is it starts with a good idea. And so you can't just throw up a same, same product anymore. As I was saying, you got to differentiate. And this has actually been the cornerstone key message of my FBA course that I launched in 2016. Mm. Same thing. You got to have a good idea. You got to differentiate. Put yourself in the shopper's shoes. You type in something like phone wallet. There's friggin' 20, 50 different options. Why is the shopper going to choose you? Start there. All right. There, if you're the same features and benefits as the other one, most shoppers on Amazon are price shoppers. They're going to be price comparing. And uh, so you got to be, you got to come up with an idea. Like, sorry, guys, this is, this is business. Like companies succeed because of good ideas. Yeah. And that's kind of rule 101 as well. If you're bringing on investors, the first thing they're going to ask you is what is your USP? And if you yeah. don't even know what that means and how to answer that, you've already failed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's, moving along, the whole Amazon FBA stuff, people are starting to realize that, yeah, you're going to need to put some investment behind it. And now, you know, you don't want to take those risks. And again, these are just examples of jobs you can do remote and live pretty much anywhere in the world. After you went through the Amazon FBA stint, and you are still doing that, what was next for you? Uh, so the next thing was the agency. So launched my Amazon agency 
2018. Um, just kind of perfect timing. It was kind of the logical next step. Uh, any entrepreneur wants to diversify their income. Uh, I, um, another YouTuber agency guy, uh, shout out Matt Laker, invited me on his podcast. He's a big agency guy. Uh, he actually also runs an agency uh, mastermind for like of, of agency guys to, you know, mastermind and grow. Um, and he actually, he's like, dude, you should start an Amazon ads agency, like big opportunity there. And I was talking with Parker, you know, our, our business partner, my business partner in the uh, FBA thing. And we're like, yeah, we should diversify our income. Like what happens if something uh, happens to our factory or to Amazon? Of course you want to diversify your income. Hello. Step one of, you know, being rich. And so, um, I went to, uh, Matt Laker's, uh, agency mastermind, uh, two week villa mastermind in Bali. This is 2018. It was so sick. And they even like filmed it like a reality TV show, like two teams of agency guys who can make more money. Mr. B style. Yeah. yeah. It was sweet, dude. And, um, so that's when I kicked off my agency. And, um, so yeah, that was three and a half years ago. Coming up on four years, and yeah, now we're 10 employees, and um, yeah, uh, Amazon Marketing Agency, and so doing the agency life. So is it mostly you're providing services, like, you know, people come to you for information, hey, uh, how do I do the logistics, how do I do 3PL, anything, like pretty much any question they're going to have opening up an Amazon FBA type uh, No, of so we're a done-for-you agency, so companies, uh, brands come to us, and we manage their Amazon account, done-for-you, manage their ads, manage their their storefront, um, create their listings, make them better. Um, and so, yeah. What category should people avoid? That's just a goddamn nightmare other than supplements. Cause that's, <laughs> that's definitely up there. What category? Um, I mean, in general, like in, from an investor standpoint, um, like avoiding things that are, uh, seasonal, you know, I don't, but, but the seasonal can hit like in general, there's no one category uh, that's better or worse. Like the, at the end of the day, the product being better than the other competitors is what's going to make you the money, not the category. Yeah. I mean, and, and for us, it's, I think, uh, uh, one of my, one of the thought processes that I've gone through, it's also what is the size and what is the likelihood on returns as well? Yeah. So I, I have a friend doing, um, color books on Amazon. Yeah. But it's like num number numbers by color. And like sometimes the Chinese, like the numbers don't match anything and the colors don't match anything. And like you'll get complaints in that sense because yeah. it's coming from China. They don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, the packaging is relatively small and you don't really get the returns. Unlike, for example, if you were to sell... I don't know. Uh, anything I would say electronic can be a bit dangerous. Yeah, on yeah, I've, yeah. It's typical to recommend those because you like if with, with our selfie stick tripod came with a Bluetooth remote. That was the number one source of yeah. bad reviews because like one out of whatever would be broken. But they'll be so pissed to leave a negative review. And most of reviews, they if people are going to leave reviews, they're usually going to be negative. Probably yeah. nine times right. out of ten as well. Yeah. Um, were you also doing courses on like Amazon um, ad spending and really breaking it down like the the fundamentals on 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 how to you know excel on Amazon through ad spending? So we my agency I'm actually working with my my head of ads uh, a shout out Ryan he's in our office in uh, Utah with uh, our uh, team of, uh, of four American guys uh, who <coughs> head up our our ads. We're, we have a PPC Amazon advertising course in the works. Um, but um, Amazon ads, it's uh, it's a tool to boost your organic ranking. The big money comes in ranking organically on the top of page one. Amazon ads is a tool to get you more sales every day. The organic ranking algorithm works on how many sales are you getting every day and what's your conversion rate. So ads is one tool to boost your daily sales and your conversion rate. So uh, success on Amazon. It's, it's not all about ads. It's about organic. <laughs> I'm laughing because, because this is like, I feel like I'm on a, 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 a discovery call with a client oh. or like making a video because I say this every day. Um, anyway, it's all about organic ranking and, and, um, ads is, uh, is one tool to, to help that. Yeah. I've, we've looked into this, uh, quite, quite intensively. And kind of discovered as well that um, 
the advantage of the tool as well is once you've ranked organically, those guys that are ranking organically are also paying ads to hold that position. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You should always keep in mind exactly to hold your, hold yourself there. That's just the Amazon universe. They're just they're just gonna. <laughs> Yeah, you just got to keep paying Amazon, basically. That's the thing. The whole Amazon world is like, it's kind of a fuck you, pay me type of scheme. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so love it or hate it, you know, it is what it is. So I have a friend doing Amazon, but he's doing it. It's a different type of business model. It's He has a website. Actually, I'm not going to mention it because I think it's a scam. Um, <laughs> uh, so I won't mention who he is and, and, and the handle, but I'll explain the business model and you can tell me your thoughts. All right. So what he does is he finds people to invest about minimum 30 grand US. You, uh-huh. g- you give them the 30 grand, right? Oh, okay, I know what you mean. Yeah. And then he says, about. okay, you give me the 30 grand. We're going to find you the products. We're going to manage your store, but we just need that 30 grand to get started. Yeah. What I feel he's doing is he's using your 30 grand to buy your own product back to give you the rankings to make it look like they're sales. And then eventually, like, you're going to just, you could get hit up by Amazon for, you know, uh, something, you, something you've done wrong and your store could get shut down. But basically what he's saying is if anything happens bad to your store and you get shut down, that's it. He could be doing arbitrage as well and going through, like, Walmart and bringing it to Amazon and selling yeah. in that sense. Have you seen these... T- are these pyramid scams? Yeah, is done for you. Uh, done for you is completely either, either, different. Either okay, so Amazon automation. Uh, Amazon automation. Yes, yeah. I know about these. And so my understanding is it's it's reselling wholesale or arbitrage, mm. and so they'll create like thousands of listings. And do you uh, think it's legit? Uh, I mean, every business is legit, or else it wouldn't be a business model. But like, I don't know. Every business has success and failures, but it wouldn't be a business model if there wasn't potential to make money yeah i try i had but a couple calls with them and just something didn't seem right yep i know exactly what you mean um and so but uh, so i i recommend um you know obviously because it's what it's what i do but private label create a product that you own you know with with resale arbitrage it's just a price raise to the bottom and wholesale so create a product create a brand create an asset that you own um you know i think many entrepreneurs would would agree rather than just like reselling shit um okay so that that's pretty much the the basics for amazon we want to chat about i think we've covered like the fundamental you know those major points again if you want to get into the granular where can people find you for that information um yeah so i have a the instagram page called fba lifestyle you can um you can look that up and that's kind of the name of my uh name of my course which is that's not active anymore. That's my old course, but there's still my old page for my course, but there's still a lot of, uh, obviously super good information. And if people want to kind of get into that private label type of business yeah, as well. And I've had a lot of, of people yeah. on the Island ask me and I kind of always tell them, well, you, you are going to need money to invest, to be able to do that. So you're not doing, or just search, uh, search Amazon FBA, um, you know, Riley Bennett on YouTube and I have tons of free tutorials, um, about, um, product research and, and all that. Yeah. Um, so moving next on, you know, the trend is your friend and into remote closing. Um, I watched some recent videos. You're, wor- you're working with a guy on that. And again, there's a guy I was explaining that, that works with me and he's getting into this as well. Remote closing. Yep. Um, he told me about it, but actually when I started researching you for this podcast and watching that, it kind of clicked for me again. If you're an English teacher, why the fuck yeah. would you do that? Yeah. You should be doing this. Can you talk what is remote closing and just take us through it? Yeah, so um, basically you're part of a sales team for a company. Typically, it's an online course, coach, or online school, um, or it could be a digital marketing agency. Um, or it could be really any company who typically, you know, they have a sales staff, so they're um, inbound leads, submit the form on their website, interested to learn more, book a call now. They need a sales team to take those calls. And so... Uh, many, many companies, coaches, courses will have their sales team be remote. And so you basically uh, apply for a sales job with that company, course, coach, whatever it may be. And um, you you get the job and you basically sync your calendar to their Calendly. And then you set your times of the day, however many blocks you want open, and all the inbound leads... Uh, that come through their website or Facebook ad or whatever it may be, get distributed amongst their sales team and just pops right into your calendar. So, oh, I got a meeting today at 7 p.m. Okay, I'm going to be there. You take the inbound call with the, with the client 
or with the uh, the interested um, uh, customer. And uh, if they sign up, then you get a 10% commission normally. And most typically these uh, courses, programs, online schools, whatever will be 5,000, 10,000. And so for one, uh, one close, you can get $500. If it's 10K course, whatever, 1K. And so I think the post that you, you saw was kind of an overview of the interview I did with Marcus, who does this, is kind of explaining it. Um, like if you take... Well, there's uh, about an hour video on YouTube. Okay. I watched yeah, the full thing. Yeah. Okay, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, so my interview with Marcus. So he was actually a subscriber um, and came to Chiang Mai and actually took my Amazon FBA course, which is kind of cool, um, back in 2016. And then he pivoted into closing, started crushing it. And now he's a uh, coach for closers. And so, and he was like, dude, one of your subscribers signed up and like, he's like crushing it, doing like 25K a month for like average the past three months. And I was like, oh shit. Like, and so that's what excites me is like, uh, you know, I get to help, uh, you know, other guys, other versions of me uh, escape the rat race and figure out this remote work thing to unlock this digital nomad lifestyle, which is the fucking best. This is what it's about. It's about living life on, mm -hmm. on your own schedule and being able to travel. This world is so fucking big and awesome. You need to travel, not just two weeks, like as long as you want. And so this remote closing thing is, is so cool. And I met, I'm meeting more and more guys just like randomly around like, Oh yeah, I'm a remote, remote closer for this company. Oh, I'm a remote closer, remote sales for this company. And so yeah, remote sales guys. Yeah. And some of the categories, so, because people are probably going to ask, like, well, what do you mean by remote closing? So we're talking software, uh, health, nutrition, wellness websites. Yeah. Um, people, again, maybe selling FBA packages. Um, typically, what do you see in the remote sales uh, world, SEO, marketing, website building, whatever? Yeah, so Marcus says um, health, wealth, um, and relationships are like people will always pay big money for those. And so... And Marcus says he works with some big names. And so maybe it's like a, a Tony Robbins type person. It could be a relationship course, you know, how to get more dates. Um, it could be a fitness course, you know, how to get shredded. It could be a, a make money online course, um, you know, a, an FBA, you know, how to build your own Amazon business. And it could be, a, you know, a, like a like a 5K course, 10K course. It could be, you know, $3,000 a month, you know, for six months, whatever it may be. Um, so those are the, the kind of the, the big, big categories, um, health and fitness relationships and, uh, wealth. I'm going to look at this from like the business perspective and just try to understand how do I scale that? So I don't need to be the individual and correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong and feel free to interrupt along the way. Um, I would assume that I need to get started as a remote closer. Well, where do I start? Probably need to build an Upwork profile as a freelancer, as a remote co closer, get a couple reviews. Nah, we can do that through friends. So we're not going to explain that. You'll figure it out. Yep. Uh, get rolling. Now you got maybe 10 clients going and you begin to outsource your own remote work to other people that are remote closers. And you can, it, it's, I, I was discussing with Hans, it's not a pyramid scheme. It might look like that, <laughs> but it's not. It's, it's a company. Yeah. It's a company. It's a team. <laughs> so what you're doing a bit, uh, essentially at the end of the day is you're closing the deals to be the remote closer with the companies, but you can re-outsource that to someone within your team. No, 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 no. Okay. okay. So you don't start an agency. You don't start a closing agency. But what you do to start closing is um, you, you should do an Upwork profile. You can get remote closing gigs through Upwork. You can also get them through Facebook groups. Just search remote closing jobs, remote sales jobs on gazillion job boards these days linkedin um and so i tell i tell guys who who reach out to me so so start doing this remote closing you're going to get these chunks of cash coming in if you take four calls a day which is nothing compared to any corporate sales job you know they're doing like 50 calls a day and that's cold calling which sucks it's the worst fucking thing ever there's no cold calling going in here it's just inbound leads that sign up through their um they're coming website. to you yeah so that's the thing it's like they're already interested in signing up and so it's the easiest thing you're just asking them like the the uh the team of the course gives you a list of these obvious questions and then you're just asking them easy questions would you like to pay via credit card or paypal 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like they sign up. And so if you if you close 25%, which is typical, and a lot of guys do 40%, four calls a day, um, let's say it's a 5K course, which is very typical. You're making $500 a day, uh, five days a week. And so that's like 2000 a week. And so, um, yeah, not bad at all, right? To live in Chiang Mai and, you know, get your little motorbike, scoot around Bali or whatever. Yeah. And so, like what were we talking about? So, yes, so that's closing. That's by yourself. Don't start a team around closing. What you'll do is because you're, you're alluding to Scaling. So scaling. Because yes. your, your time's limited at the right. end of the day. So do do your sales job on the side of that. Or when you're ready, start your digital marketing agency. And so start your Upwork profile around that. It's going to be offering some digital service, um, consulting, SEO. Um, and I just did a, a podcast on my channel about uh, with Matt Laker, who helped me start my agency about how to choose your service. I actually just did an Instagram post uh, just today. Five hottest agency niches. They all have to do with TikTok, video editing, social media management. Um, so one NFT is crypto. NFT is crypto for sure. Um, you know, so offering digital services to companies. Start with your Upwork profile. I just did a whole video about how to start with Upwork. Um, I'm actually... Uh, launching an Upwork mini course because I've been crushing it on Upwork the past three years. It's been our main source of leads for for uh, companies hiring us as an Amazon agency. Um, and I just love teaching. Uh, as you know, I'm a, I'm a course video type of guy, teacher type of guy. So I have a whole Upwork mini course. Um, get your initial source of leads. And then when you're ready, um, after you kind of complete the first jobs yourself, you're really confident about the service. Then hire other freelancers on Upwork to handle the handle the job you basically pay them half of the amount and then start work testing different freelancers and the ones you work well with the ones that are awesome basically bring them on full time to uh, handle the work now you're the ceo you're getting all the leads talking to the clients okay you're giving it maybe it's philippines or indian va or whatever doing the easy stuff uh, find other versions of yourself so other you know you know western guys american guys whatever um to uh, to try to duplicate yourself, but obviously they're uh, maybe at a little little bit lower rate, so you can still try charge the client, um, you know, your higher rate. Outsource it to this other guy. Example, like I have Ryan, Brett, Jake, and Josh on my team in our small office in Utah. Outsource it to them at a lower rate. Boom! Now it's a company. It's a digital marketing agency. Um, keep testing different people and keep who you work with. And so, it's been yeah three almost four years now. And so now we're um, we're five. Five American guys and then five Amazon experts in uh, Philippines. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's not overly complicated when you explain it like that. And I think anyone listening is like, okay, that clicks, that makes sense, and watch it back in slow motion if Good. you want. Um, <laughs> Let me explain how this works to you. I'm not on mushrooms, but I was maybe yesterday. <laughs> so you're still coming down. That's all good. Um, how do you work internally within your team? Um, are you having uh, uh, Monday meetings, sales meetings, marketing meetings? Talk a little yeah. bit about like the internal structure. Yes, sir. So uh, team team hangout Tuesdays. That was last night. And so that's um, 9 a.m. Utah time every Tuesday. And so it's about uh, midnight here almost. No. Yeah, it's about yeah, about like um, yeah, like 11 o'clock. But um, here and so yeah weekly team meeting um and then those american guys handle basically a weekly call uh, with every client um in the client's first two months and then it's in every other call and then after like long-term clients then sometimes they just no calls it's like things are just set or they meet once a quarter you're just um, turn the mic in a little bit oh shit there you go um yep. and then in terms of closing inbound closers I do that yeah. for my own company. How about that? And so leads come in through Upwork and also through our website because uh, they find us on Google because we're actually ranking now for Amazon Marketing Agency, which has been great. Um, they inquire via the form, book a call, strategy call, discovery call, whatever you want to call it. And so now it's me and Ryan doing that. And so most of the time it'll actually be both of us on those calls. Sometimes it's just him, sometimes it's just me. And so when they sign up, 
um, yeah, I own the company. So, so at the, <laughs> but, at the so end yeah. of the day, are you, is it a collective people like making a final decision or do you feel like you still need to steer the ship? Um, you know, of the whole company. Mm. And so me and Parker were the, the co-founders. Um, and so, yeah, I'm the CEO. I'm, I'm the, the captain of the ship. So, um, so yeah. Interesting. Well, someone's, I mean, you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Someone's got to make those executive decisions as well. Yeah. I mean, it's always, you know, good. You know, Parker is basically, you know, the CFO handles the, you know, accounting and finances and all that. Ryan is, um, you know, CMO. He's head of, um, head of Amazon advertising. He's our head Amazon ads nerd. He's the nerdiest nerd at Amazon ads you've ever freaking met. Um, and then me, um, I run the YouTube channel, the website. So CEO outward facing. What are some of the cons now working remotely? Because, I mean, we kind of came from that same time where we were working in offices. You're d doing the nine to five. Um, there are some things you're going to miss between that work relationship interaction. Do you feel you're missing anything there that you need to, you know, and, and how could you fix that? I feel like I'm missing like anything. Like, is there, is that, that like, okay, so I'll, I'll elaborate on that. Okay. For me personally, like, uh, the one thing that you cannot get from remote working is uh, in the day-to-day -day work is let's say we're working on a project we could be working on a uh, a tender and that tender we need to submit to a client and that's due at 5 p.m and all of a sudden the client told us two days ago so we got 48 hours in the office if we're not all in that office like i find by being on the office together on those specific times we get it done twice as fast compared to being separated yeah um, yeah, I go to me. Do you do you face any yeah. of those, and you're like, "Fuck, I yeah, kind of so wish I was in the office with yeah. these guys today." Fuck no. <laughs> and so here's the thing: in life, sometimes you gotta choose. Would you rather? Would you rather be in a city? You know, uh, let's say you only need to go to the office once a day, and but you still gotta live in your city. You know, you know, most a year, whatever. Can't really you know, be in Thailand. Or would you rather be able to live? Anywhere you want, anytime, stay in Thailand as long as you want. And maybe you don't get that personal office interaction. Maybe your project doesn't get as done as efficiently or as quickly. You can still just do it on Zoom. Sometimes you just got to choose which would you rather have. Mm, yeah, I'd actually rather have a second chill in Thailand, chill in Bali and uh, get some sun. Yeah, you got to take the sacrifices, I guess. You can't <laughs> yeah. have your cake and eat it too, as, as they say. Yeah. Um, what's your daily routine? So digital nomads that are going to leave the nine to five, they might get out there now, obviously with the, we'll call it the C word, the current situation. So YouTube doesn't flag okay. us. Um, when you're working remotely at home, most people, they aren't used to that. Now I'm luckily lucky that I've actually been working from home since 2012. Mm -hmm. What is your daily routine? How do you not only stay consistent and structured, but how do you stay disciplined? Um, yeah, good question. So daily routine, I gotta, I get up and do like some yoga, uh, stretching. Uh, I gotta get back into more of a, a of a quick uh, meditation. Um, I've I've done that in the past. I want to start doing more of it. And in the morning, I gotta do like a, a morning workout, a morning sweat, just to wake up. Similar to coffee, like I don't feel fully awake unless I get like a morning quick workout. So it might be a quick run or just quick workout, whatever. Um, then jump into coffee work. Um, during the daytime, um, <clears throat> get some sun during the day. Um, you know, often I will uh, work at a coffee shop if I'm in Bangkok or Bali. Here, it's it's more of a villa setup because we have the most epic villa ever here. Um, so yeah, work during the day. Uh, and the thing about um, being in Asia or this part of the world, running an agency, is your day is all free. And then so my calls, my scheduled calls start from like 9 p.m. to like midnight. So my day is like pretty free, but basically morning workout, um, you know, sun, coffee work, cafe, and, um, you know, come to a podcast, whatever, um, you know, get some food. And then in the afternoon, I will typically do like a main workout. So traditionally, uh, I'm a CrossFit guy. Um, so... I'm in Chiang Mai, Bangkok, Bali. Like, love the CrossFit. I also uh, sprinkle in Muay Thai. So I've been doing Muay Thai recently, you know, in the afternoon. Main workout, back, um, you know, get some food, chill, do whatever you want to do, take a break. And then kind of my evening work sesh starts um, around 8, 9 when people in America start 
uh, coming online. And then I will be on my laptop again in the evening um, till one, two. Sometimes I'll close my laptop at three, four. Depends what's going on. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't feel like work when you're when you're working for yourself, when you're building something that you own, that you're excited about. And so, yeah. Do you ever worry working those work hours that you aren't, um, let's say, maximizing your sleep efficiently in, in terms of staying into that circadian rhythm? Mm -hmm. Like um, being able to get to you know bed at 9 o'clock, get up at 5 naturally. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, it's like I get my 8 hours. I often get 9. Um, the, the beauty and the, the whole point of, of all this is be on your own schedule and, um, you know, live, have freedom, schedule freedom, schedule flexibility. And so if I roll over in the morning and I'm not rested, boom, I go right back. I don't have a job to go to in the morning. And so that is worth a million bucks. That's invaluable. And so I get plenty of sleep. I get plenty of sleep. And the other thing is I've actually been a night owl my whole life. Ever since a kid in college, I would get all my shit done in the library until 2, 3 a.m. So I'm a natural night owl. And, you know, if you know, you know, uh, some people just are. I'm not a morning person. And so it happens to work out. And so I was going to mention this. It's a factor. If you're going to get into the agency world, into the client-facing world, whether it's remote closing or whether it's agency services, it's a it's a decision to think about whether you want to be based in Asia or um, in the West, in the Americas, or in Europe. Um, because if you, if your company that you're, that you're working for is, let's say, in America and you're in Asia, you're going to have to be working you know, online at those late hours. If that's fine with you, something, someone like me, even when I was not doing client-facing stuff, I was just hustling late night. I'm a late-night hustler. That's uh, fine with me, but such as people such as Marcus, he spends most of his time in um, Mexico and Europe because that's where his clients are, and he prefers to take his calls in the morning. Mm. And so it, it's definitely a decision that's. Are, uh, are up most of your client calls you're saying they are at night? Yeah. Now, is that possibly oh is that a reason why then you'd be in Thailand? Because actually, those night calls align to your lifestyle. Yeah, and so for me, for if the agency thing fits perfect, so it doesn't it doesn't make sense for you to be. Even in let's say Mexico, because now your your yeah. your calls aren't. I would needed. I would I would much prefer my calls to be at ten at night than ten in the morning, mm. because that's just who I am. I'm a I'm a late night hustler. I'm not a morning person, and so yeah. Speaking on the hustle side and the you know the aggressive income versus passive income, eventually you know Father Time's going to catch up. Do you have a a roadmap or a long term plan, or are you just going to hustle to the you know? Uh, the death knocks on your door. Oh, aggressive income. I like that word. Um, oh no, heck yeah. Um, so any entrepreneur, um, it's all about passive income, right? It's all about owning, owning different streams of income and for sure the passive income is a goal. And so, yeah, for sure. Um, kind of a five year plan or whatever is, um, you know, agency you want to, um, you know, delegate, more and more and more, of course, and eventually make your way back is kind of just like uh, an advisor where maybe you're only on one call a week. Um, and so the next big thing for me to delegate is is the sales. So I'm not taking um, sales calls um, and eventually, you know, free up my night times, too. And so I'm just a completely free bird um, to, you know, go out and, you know, do DJ sets any night of the week, not worry about, oh, shit, I got to get back. I got calls or whatever. And so that's kind of the next big step. And then as any entrepreneur wants to do, you know, you take your money and you invest it in other things, whether that's like, you know, crypto, you know, stock type of stuff. But, you know, for us entrepreneurs, it's other companies. All right. What else? What's your next thing? You know, us like, you know, entrepreneurs, we're like, you know, for you, this is like, this is like your passion business. This is like what you wanted to do. Boom, podcast. And so for me, like I love podcasting too. I have my own podcast. I have my YouTube channel. I'm going to keep doing that. Um, like my dream job is to make full-time uh, money from my YouTube channel slash podcast, which is not even a job. It's just what I naturally do. It's the same with you. Like yeah, just I just love talking. Like make a million dollars a year just talking to people. Like 
Like Joe Rogan's got dream job. He just talks to people, has the most interesting conversations and makes millions. Like that's a freaking dream job. Um, music is also my passion. So I just started like, you know, doing DJing recently. So if I can make money through like just enjoying music and playing music that I like, like, wow, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, it's always, you know, what's the next opportunity? Let's say there's this. Okay. It, you know, as Tim Ferriss says in four hour work week, chase what excites you. Um, and, um, so kind of the, the roadmap is, you know, figure out what's going to make you, uh, you know, money, take care of yourself and then, um, start passion businesses that, you know, don't feel like work, but that's the ideal situation is where you can make money, um, you know, around something that, uh, that you love doing. So that's the dream, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and even on my, my side, it's set up these, these different businesses, but I mean, you have to have some passion behind them. Otherwise, what are you chasing? Yeah. It's, it feels, you don't want it to feel work, work, but I also don't believe in that statement. Like work shouldn't feel like work. You know, it should be, yeah, you got to fucking not at work. First, not at first. You got yeah. shit to get done. Yeah. Right? I mean, even this podcast, it was fun for about 20 episodes and some weeks I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to film. Yeah. And it feels like work. And I just, you know, that's, that's uh, the Amazon or sorry, the YouTube gods got the gun to your head and they're like, yeah. you better put out a video this week. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. It's not going to be rainbows and, you know, unicorns and unicorns and all, all the time for sure. Still got to grind. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So now Thailand is the, like your first major stop as the digital nomad, but you're going back between Thailand and Bali. Um, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 So kinda, how you said, how long have you been in Thailand? You said, uh, did you say six well, years? Well, first came here, uh, 2014. Correct. But like, um, like actually living and staying here. Uh, so shit, I don't know. It's been about eight years based in Southeast Asia and probably five of those have been five to six have been in Thailand. I don't know. I never came across you. I, were you in the South of the Island? Uh, so this is actually only about a year now in Phuket. Okay. I've been basically like four years in Bangkok and uh before that one year in chiang mai okay and where where would you recommend people kind of set up yeah chiang mai is the simplest um chiang mai is so sweet it's just so simple and um very tight-knit um remote working professional community Mm. uh meetups all the time and so yeah there's that uh bali is very similar um phuket now is is awesome you know, up here in uh, Bangtao or down there in, in Rawai. Did a whole video about Rawai. You can check it out, guys. But, um, yeah, Chiang Mai, Phuket, Bali, I think are, are great for beginners in terms of Southeast Asia. Um, and then Mexico uh, is another big hot spot. Yeah, a lot of people um, have gone to Tulum. Yeah, yeah Tulum, Slash Pado Carmen. Um, and then also Medellin, Colombia is another uh, popular one. Yeah, because the pri- I saw the price to live in Colombia is, so is way cheaper than here. Uh, some really? people, I was looking at Costa Rica, but it's a bit too uh, sleepy for me. Mm-hmm. I looked at uh, Tamarindo and like mm-hmm. really looked into it. And it's like, you kind of have like, we have the main road here that connects between Sur and, uh, you know, Patong, Kamala. But I looked like all their side roads here, they're just dirt roads. Like yeah. you need, you need like a four wheel drive truck. You need yeah. like a dirt bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, ah, fuck. I don't yeah, know. it's really nice here. Because the oh, roads are so nice. Like it's. Even in Bali, there's uh, some really um, bumpy, falling apart roads. And, uh, yeah, Bali's too, for me personally, it's too hectic. Like yeah. when you're in Changu and you want to get to Seminyak and you're going across farm fields on one-way lanes and people are <laughs> passing, it's like, Fuck yeah, this. for sure, it's too much. Yeah, you kind of get, too, you get stuck in your bubbles there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Changu is, is Bali is fucking paradise. But yeah, the the roads here are so nice. That's a big perk here. <laughs> Really easy to get around. Now, you moved just to Kamala not long ago. Yeah. And why did you choose Kamala, not Sarin, or, you know, uh, other so parts of the island? Yeah, we were going to do, uh, so we did Rawai, and we did a six-month uh, lease villa there. And they were like, all right, let's move to Bangtao and check that out. Uh, and then, so, even went up to Bangtao, toured some villas, and uh, the the best villa deal that we could that we found that was available what happened to be in Kamala. So, like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, Kamala is a bit cheaper. Like, uh, you can get... you. And easier to access. Some of these mountains up here in, at Surin, it's too crazy to go up and down them, especially if you're on yeah, a motorbike. Some, yeah, there's they're some a bit mountains. gnarly. 
Yeah, so we're doing, we're over at Bangtao. You should come check out Bangtao Muay Thai. Dude, it's, I know. It's I know, I got uh, some friends, and I'm always like, oh, I'll see you there sometime. But, uh, yeah. Well, they do, the, over there. they do the hit classes in the morning. They're pretty decent, especially. Really? Yeah, on a lot of the UFC's uh, fighters, they're in the class as well. So, like, you kind of try to, I don't know, if they're doing, like, a five-round type of thing. You can last with them for about a round. They don't do the hit in the afternoon because uh, you won't catch me oh, in the okay. morning. So they do a 9 a.m. hit, and then they do a 5 p.m. strength and conditioning. But the, oh. the strength and conditioning is more like, it's good. I'll go tonight. It's pretty decent. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Okay. Dope. So I didn't know that. Tonight, um, they're doing uh, power, so it's fun. So, like, we're taking medicine balls and whacking them oh, into a wall. CrossFit shit. That's my jam. Yeah. yeah it's, not, it's not, like, super high intense. They're really trying to focus on form and whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's decent down. as well. Cool. I got to... Uh, oh. Okay, let's wrap this no, up. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm saying not today. I would think about it today, but I got to prepare my uh, a DJ set today. But okay. I'm saying I'll see you there sometime soon. Oh, okay, okay. But I got, I got all the time. Oh, okay. I thought you had to run. Okay. Um, but usually we wrap it up because we've hit an hour. So we'll, we'll kind of go another 20 minutes yeah, or so. Yeah, the wrap-up always takes 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> so you're talking uh, – let's talk a little bit about medicinal mushrooms. You said you did – Noise. A microdose last night, and was it the first time, or or, or what? What is your? Yeah, I mean, you're coming from Seattle, so you got to have some sort of relationship yeah. with medicinal mushrooms. Um, yeah, I, mushrooms are the best, uh, as you know. Um, we happen to have like a couple mushroom supplement clients. Um, medicinal psychedelic mushrooms, love them, um, and so I've always been curious about um, microdosing. And so yesterday a friend was over who knows about it and is like, I try it. Yeah, sure. And so, um, you know, I've always heard about, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, um, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, folks, um, super rich people, uh, microdosing either LSD or, or mushrooms in the, um, when they're doing their creative work. So I've always wanted to try it. And so it happened to be yesterday, uh, uh which happened to be my birthday. And, uh, also the day before I came on a, Mushroom Guys podcast. Yeah, <laughs> perfect timing. Yeah, it's some people, like the real microdose, uh, uh, let's call it the like uh, the dosage or the protocol would be like you take 125 milligrams, one day on, two days off for 90 days because they say 90 days on, 90 days off. They just don't know the long-term side effects, mm. which probably are nothing. Um, but also when you get into anything like natural um, especially like mushrooms or it could be moringa or whatever, um, you should always cycle 90 on 90 off because eventually your body just like accepts it and the, uh -huh. the potency is gone. Yeah. Um, I guess that's similar to people that are, you know, addicted to smoking weed. If you smoke weed every day your whole life, yeah. I mean, for me, I hit it once. I'm fucking high as shit all night. Yeah. So I can't really yeah. smoke weed. Similar to any, any but, um, chemical function. Yeah. yeah, medicinal mushrooms like psychedelic, psilocybin, the golden teacher, this stuff, it's, we're not going to be selling that. But that stuff specifically, what it does on the creative side, it just increases the neuro, the neuroactivity within the brain. And essentially what it's doing is we have these neuropathways. And it's, it's carving these neuropathways. And the best analogy to understand is that Sometimes in life we go through, and this isn't going to get hippie. I'm, that's not the style on this podcast. But it's basically like we go through like uh, negative blocks or, or, or just cycles and we got to break through. It could be something so simple. Get up at, uh, tomorrow I want to get up at 9. Um, for me, okay, tomorrow I want to get up at 5.30. I want to meditate. Then I'm going to read a book. Then I'm going to have a coffee. Then I'm going to go to class. Then I'm going to do this, this, and this for the rest of the day. And a lot of the times that's like what you want to do, but you won't do it for some reason. If you, if you start to microdose and for me, actually, I prefer macrodoses where it's just one shot. I'll do it once a year yep. and it just opens up the brain for, sure. for some reason. When, when you are microdosing those neural pathways, they become carved and you break through that shit of like, okay, I should have done that, yeah. but I didn't. And then the analogy is it's like those paths exist. Like, uh, like if you went mountain biking on a dirt bike on a mountain trail, they already exist. Um, and if you've heard this before, it's, it's the problem is we just haven't gone down those trails in a while. Mm -hmm. And mushrooms open that up where it makes it, you don't have that, that fear of resistance like this book called The War, not The War of Art. Um, I forget the... Art of War? Um, not by Sun Tzu. It's, it's a, oh, different, a different, one. A different oh. book. It's called The War of Art. Reverse. Oh, okay, interesting. And it's just, it really pushes how humans, we just, 
we we resist change. Mm-hmm. That's what it's purely about. Because yeah. change involves, you know, it's not comfortable. I mean, yeah. change your diet from this to that. Reduce your calories. It fucking sucks. Yep. Go train every day. You think I want to get up in the morning and do hit at 9 a.m.? Absolutely not. But you do it. Yeah. Um, and mushrooms can kind of carve that pathway to push you to do that shit. Mm. Um, now, the issue is they're just not legalized. Mm. I I don't I still don't know how that's going to work. I understand you can legalize marijuana wa- weed marijuana because it's not as psychoactive. But with magic mushrooms into the wrong hands uh, on on doses like and, and if people are prone to let's say schizophrenia, it could actually cause severe issues. Yeah. And so it's it's basically becoming uh slowly legalized in in the US, Washington, um Oregon, Vancouver, uh Canada, there's now it's basically the law turning turning a blind eye to it. Okay, it's a plant. And so yeah, with any substance, there's gonna be some, you know, mishaps sometimes. Look at alcohol. Alcohol is the most, you know, commonly consumed substance. People die on alcohol every day. Alcohol is the worst. And so, yeah, if you take too much of something, you're going to get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so, yeah, so I, th- I think it's a it's a psychedelic slash spiritual evolution. It's going in the right direction in terms of uh, weed. It's now legalized in Thailand. Freaking awesome. And weed, weed is a psychedelic, you know, like what like how you're describing with um, mushrooms, psilocybin opening up the brain. If you take an edible, if you get super high, it's the same thing. I describe it to, to like my dad who like never does any drugs. Weed, it's like your brain is like a flower. Mushrooms and wheat, it opens it up. And I was just actually describing mushrooms to my dad just to just to, when I was back home because we're watching this Netflix documentary about it. What's it called? How to Change Your Mind. Talking about these psychedelics. Uh, by uh, Michael Pollan. Yeah, yeah, Michael Pollan talking about the, the LSD guy. Yeah. Um, Albert Hoffman. Yeah, on this the wall. great documentary, guys. Ch- check it out, How to Change Your Mind. And literally changed my dad's mind about like LSD. He's like, well, there's something to it. And he's like, you know what? Now I'm, I'm down to try mushrooms. Like pretty much everyone in my family has tried except my, except my dad. He's like, you know how they say how you only use half your brain? That's basically what's going on with mushrooms. I describe it as it lights up your whole brain. And so that brain is consciousness right and so it lights up your whole brain and so you're like at a higher level of consciousness slash awareness where you're like if you look at a my favorite thing to describe about mushrooms you look at a plant when you're like high mushrooms and you'll it's like you see it for the first time and you realize oh my god oh it's so complicated and beautiful like whoa like because normal day normal life the same pathways like our brain it's when we see a tree it's not it's like, okay, that's a tree. We've already scanned that. It's no threat. But with mushrooms, it's like completely like new consciousness. Like you're a baby. You're like, whoa, oh my God, that's crazy. Like you look at the moon, like, holy shit, that's fucking crazy. There's a planet out there. It's like, and so I love mushrooms for just um, experiencing and connecting with nature again and just like reminding uh, yourself like how beautiful just the everyday plants and animals in nature. And so uh, I, I always recommend, you know, be be responsible, of course, set and setting, do it with friends, um, you know, who, who you trust, um, you know, don't do super high dose with anything your first time, experience nature, walk on the beach, uh, hiking. And um, I think everyone 100% should, um, should experience it uh, responsibly. Yeah, it's it's interesting, like the science behind how it works too. I was uh, I, I love listening to Terrence McKenna lectures. There's only audio. Um, you can find it. The best ones are on SoundCloud by a guy named Laszlo, and it's called the Psychedelic Salon. Mm. This guy has like thousands of like well, hundreds of Terrence McKenna Terrence McKenna lectures from Berkeley in the '80s, and. If you want to just go do a two-hour walk, throw on one of those. Because Terrence McKenna is an absolute wordsmith. I don't know. Have you ever listened to him before? Oh, I understand. My God. Like, sometimes I I have to listen to him walking, stop it and rewind like 10 times to be like, what the fuck did he just say? And it blows your mind. And a lot of the times, like, you're like, I need to write that down. Like, that, like, I know I'm not a writer. I'm not creative. I'm analytical. So, like, when you hear that stuff, I'm astonished by the way he puts that together. And he has been deep. He literally, when he speaks and he's doing a lecture, that could be a book. 
Like he, yeah. if you just recorded what he said and yeah. wrote it in a book, you don't even need to edit it. You're yeah. like, yeah, that that's good to go. Yeah. Like that's how eloquent he is. Yeah. Um. So I highly recommend anyone go check that out. SoundCloud, Laszlo, Psychedelic Salon, and it's not just Terrence McKenna. It's Alan Watts. There's uh talks from um, um uh, tons of uh, Albert. Ha- oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, Ram Das. So a lot of these lectures. It's interesting. Um, on my side for the psychedelics and the, the chemistry side, basically what it's doing, it's a tryptamine that's taking something called psilocyan, psilocyan mm. and replacing that in your receptor. And that receptor that we're usually putting in there is our serotonin. And that's all it is. So that's why we we're, things are more sensitive. And the one thing McKenna always said, he said, take enough, uh, take enough you know, psilocybin and you'll be, you'll be connecting to your air conditioner on another level too. Like, <laughs> yeah, every, everything is one. Everything is. Yeah, and you, so that's a lot of religions are, um, that's kind of the, uh, the, basis the, the motif, of the basis of it. Yeah, because it's, it's true, right? Yeah, he said the the most interesting that thing that I, I I haven't repeat too much on the pod repeated too much on the podcast, but he one of his theories is, and it's not I'm not going down the stoned ape theory. That's the Rogan thing. Everyone's heard that fifty thousand times. But one of his theories is that if aliens existed mm-hmm. and they wanted to communicate to us in in another dimension or another way, you would have to do it through food, and that would be the easiest way for them to connect to us. By, and the mushroom is one of the, it's the only thing that has that like real psychedelic effect. I mean, LSD is chemically made in a lab, but it's very, it is, LSD is the, is near close to psilocybin, the psilocin uh, chemical molecule uh, makeup. Right. Wasn't he, he discovered it trying to replicate the mushrooms. Correct. Yeah. That's exactly what it's yeah. from. Now that, that's why I'm not really an advocate of LSD or, or in that sense chemicals, because if you take this stuff and I have... Uh, you have a pretty bad hangover the next day. Like it's a chemical. You're going to feel it. It's synthetic mushrooms. You can take as long as you get a good night rest sleep. You don't feel anything the next day. Yeah. Like it's completely natural. No different than if you're to smoke weed as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're getting into these uh, supplements, but that's going to be later down the road. Um, the alien theory. I've never, um, heard about that, but I, I think about it all the time and I happen to be a biochemistry major major. Like, how is this like real and it's like is there a like how and and what's the evolutionary benefit of this mushroom having this effect like how can a plant how change my consciousness like is it like some divine thing going on like this this uh this alien theory or like whatever trying to expand our consciousness or is it just like a random biochemical uh, byproduct of the certain um, molecules, compounds that happen to be in that species of mushrooms? Because there's millions of species and some of them, you know, give us this. And so I'm like, hmm, could it be that just like in random mushrooms, the psilocybin ones, they happen to latch onto our, the you know the molecules. It's all you know lock and key. It's all Lego blocks in there. They happen to lock onto the to, to our neurons to light light them up, um in in, well, a, in change, a fantastic the way that uh, it just happens to affect our brain that way. And there's no rhyme or reason. It's just it's just kind of in effect and neurochemistry and the brain is fascinating and it just happens to be a molecule that uh that latches on to the to the right uh, places in the brain and it is what it is well, that's <laughs> the thing they they are theories they're fun to uh, I, to go down those rabbit holes and you know speculate yeah um exactly. i mean i i still always kind of go back to occam's razor probably what is the most obvious answer is most likely the obvious answer and mm. Maybe that's just the one here that fucks with our, you know, the chemistry, you know, yeah. it gives us another like perception. It doesn't expand consciousness, but there's other things that do as well, like ayahuasca, uh, yeah. DMT. Yeah. Um, for example, if there's certain morning glory seeds that you can take in and, uh, and it's psychedelic. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. I mean, there's so many effects. It's um, not just much. Mus- there's many other. Exactly. There's yeah. a million zillion molecules that affect, um, they're called drugs. They make you that make you feel some side of way. And what is feel? Feel is your brain. Yeah. And so coffee is right here. Is a fucking drug. Yeah. 
And so it gives us a certain feeling. And so there's so we don't understand how the brain works. <laughs> and so we're very early on in understanding consciousness in the brain. And um, so, yeah, it's it's endless. Yeah, it's Tesla had a quote, Nikola Tesla. He said that the the day the the time we the when we decide to uh, in, investigate and put our efforts into the research of the consciousness in the brain, we will progress more in humanity in ten years than we have in our entire existence. Wow! And that's but we are getting there. Like so, actually, what's going on? A lot of these like universities, like John Hopkins, that's where the research is going. It's to to um, mapping the brain. And that's what, that's what Elon Musk is attempting to do as well. The reality is we have trillions of neurons and they've done the math. To map the brain could take another, they said something like 500 years. It's not, you can't do that overnight. Mm. My hope, this is my, my conspiracy, is uh, the combination of quantum computing and AI maps the brain overnight. Yeah. Boom. And then we hit singularity and then there's no, <laughs> and then, it, no, and then it's gone we, and then it's over. From there, yeah. oh, that's, that's the actual, uh, hydron co uh, collider. We, we, we hack into the quantum computing AI, we map the brain and just all of a sudden we just turn to light anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The, and we yeah, evaporate. The, the super brain wakes <laughs> up and it's just like, okay, I'm going to turn everything into energy now. Yeah, and, and then now I'm gonna just like, the whole universe turns into a consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on that note, before, <laughs> and we didn't even, uh, we didn't take any drugs, just for the record here. Dude, high on life, bro, uh, yeah. come on. Um, we're going to end this podcast because we're probably at an hour and a half. Uh, the final thing, I'm going to shoot that. This is like, what is it, Hot hot Ones? Not this camera, that camera. This ca this is your camera. Tell these folks what you got going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's your camera. Let them know where they can find you. And, uh, oh, that one right there. Boom. All right, my new movie, I'm c coming out. Uh, <laughs> no, um, no, yeah, YouTube channel, uh, Living That Life is my uh, my travel vlog and um, uh, Instagram, Living That Life of Riley. And um, yeah, Digital Nomad Lifestyle, Thailand. Um, yeah, dude, that was awesome. What uh, links in the description? What do we want to lead? What can they you find? You know where the link is, man. So just start on Instagram, find them on YouTube, follow, like, subscribe, but first do it to us. Don't do it before him. Yeah. And uh, if you watch this far, you're an OG. Yeah. Definitely leave a comment and, and hit the like button. Yeah, dude, tell tell uh, us what you think about Riley. Be nice. Yeah, what are you thinking about me, bro? <laughs> All right, uh, that's it. Thanks for watching. I don't know how to wrap up, so we're out. That's a wrap. <laughs>